Hello everyone. We've got the youth in today. Big shout out to the youth. <laughs> High five. <laughs> joke, joke, joke. Cool. Alright. Uh, <clears throat> Barris and Dad. Alright. <clears throat> so we're doing a series um, which I've called Sabbatical Sermons where I was um, I had three months off. Three months. August, September, October. It was Absolutely amazing uh, chance to just press reset and um, do some fun things. And uh, one of them was I got a chance to go to Israel. Never been to Israel. And so I've been reading about Israel. I've been a Christian 26 years. So you end up reading a lot about that part of the world, lots of things that went on biblically. And I thought, well, what an opportunity to go and have a look around and see some of the, see some of the, um, see some of the famous places. And what I didn't realize was, and it is relevant for the sermon, is that um, when I, the, the time that I booked to go turned out to be right in the middle of the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles, um, which was a feast that the Lord instituted with the Israelites like um, millennia ago. And what the, the basic idea was, was that for a week of the year, they had to build booths or tabernacles or tents and live in them. Even though they were now settled in, in, in the land of Israel and they lived in you know, sort of normal homes, God said, for a week of the year, I want you to live in tents in order that you, are, you remember where you came from. You remember the journey. You remember God's faithfulness to you on that journey. So it's just a way of kind of going back and, and, and helping you to, to, to kickstart your memory. You know, we can be forgetful people, right? You can forget the good things, can forget what God has done. And so that was, that was what the Lord said. And, and, and many people in Israel still do that. So it's a little bit like when you're in England and... Over Christmas time, and you're walking down the street, you see, oh, they've put their decorations up. Oh, look, they've got their tree up already. Um, well, for the Feast of Booths, it's kind of a bit more like you put it up for those seven days. But it's a similar thing. You walk into Israel, um, for Jerusalem or wherever you are, and you see, oh, there's a little, they've got their booth up. Oh, they're in their booth, and you can hear like, people chatting or eating or singing songs or praying. So it's quite, quite a similar feel in some ways, a bit, more, a bit more religious than the average English Christmas. But it's that kind of idea. Well, the scripture today I'm going to read to you from and preach is right in the middle of the Feast of Booths, right in the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles. And um, so let's get the scripture up and um, we'll, we'll read that together. Okay, so here we go. Um, the, the Gospel of John. Uh, I spent most of my time on the sabbatical in the book of Song of Songs and John. Um, and it was a real joy. So here we go. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, or more literally, out of his belly, will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to help me um, speak about this passage. Father, thank you so much for um, the chance to be together this morning to lift you up. What an honour. It's great to be able to do that alone, Lord, but coming together to do that is a whole different thing. Thank you that you've made us your dwelling place. Thank you that you have made us your dwelling place. Extraordinary. And that you inhabit the praises of your people. And Lord, we sense, we so sense your presence among us. I pray, Lord, that you would, that you in your mercy, Lord, would help everyone to know and sense your presence today. And no one would feel like they're on the outside looking in. I pray for 
revelation of who you are to come. Lord, I so need you. I so need you right now to do this passage justice. I just say, Lord, I'm not suffi- I am not sufficient to do this passage justice. I feel so aware of my weaknesses. And Lord, just I pray for real help. Real help and help all those that are listening. And may we encounter you. May we encounter you. Amen. Amen. So around this time, um, Jesus' Jesus's life is increasingly in danger. So he went to the feast later. His brother said, well, come on, you want to make yourself known. Come to the feast. He said, no, it's, it's all, it's all, he said, it's all right for you. Um, the world doesn't hate you. It hates me because I testified that the things it does is evil. So they, they went to the feast and then he went secretly. And so he was kind of undercover for a lot of it. But then when he got there, he, he would begin teaching in the temple. And then you get this big moment on the last day. I mean, it's, this is not hiding, is it? On the last day, Jesus stood up and cried out. So he's been teaching in the temple. So he's probably in the temple. And in this moment, he stands up and he gives this huge announcement. Now, a bit of context for you. One of the uh, Israeli um, uh, prophets is called Ezekiel. And there's a book in the Bible named after him. And he has this amazing vision, this, this prophecy that is in, you'll find in chapter 47. And what he sees in it is, is that the Lord shows him this, uh, this image, this picture of water flowing out from the temple. And, um, and then it goes out in different depths. It goes at first it's ankle deep and Ezekiel in his vision is measuring it. Then it's knee deep. Then it's up to the loins. And then it's, it's, it's so deep you can't walk in it. You swim in it. And then he goes on and he says, as this river flowed out, he said, wherever it, wherever it flowed, it brought life. And then, and then it said, and then, and then there's these trees growing on either side of the river. And these trees are for healing. And in, in, in Revelation, the book of Revelation, you see that, those trees again. And it specifically says they're for the healing of the nations. The leaves are for the healing of the nations. So there's this extraordinary image of water flowing out of the temple. Different depths, ankle deep, then it's knee deep, then up to the loins, then it's too deep to walk in. And then as it flows in force and power, it brings life and healing. Now, that, that's, you've got to bear that in mind. Now, what the people did in this day at this feast, what they would do is every day, some of them, would, they, 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 they were charged to go down to a pool called Siloam, and they would fill up this container with water, and they would come back, and they would literally pour water into this kind of contraption that they made. They'd pour water into the temple so that it would then flow out. And what they were doing was they were, they were reliving that. They were, it was this sense of reminder. So if you can imagine, this is going on. And on the last great day of the feast, Jesus stands up and says this. Suddenly, it makes a lot more sense. If anyone, everyone's thinking about Ezekiel's picture and the water and the flowing water and the water's being poured down, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. I want to say a few things about this first verse, first of all. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. What is this thirst? You know, water is always associated with the sustenance of life. That's what water is always about. Even not just even spiritually, but just on a natural level, water equals life, right? Even when they're looking for planets where they might, they're hoping to find life on other planets. What are they looking for primarily? Water. If they if, if they can see that there's water there, or there has been water there, then 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 they'll, they'll be interested because potentially there's life. Because it, as far as our knowledge currently goes, water and life are, are key things together. Same spiritually. Water symbolized. It symbolizes spiritual life, this nourishment, this sustenance, this refreshment. And so Jesus is saying, if anyone's thirsty, he's saying, if any one of you are spiritually gasping, if any one of you are sensing that, ah, oh, there must be more. 
there must be more. And I think there's like three categories really that are, as I was preparing this came to mind. The first is perhaps those of you that have never tasted, you've never personally known Jesus. Maybe your family do, maybe your friends do, maybe they don't. But one thing is for sure, you have never come to Jesus in this way and drunk. But there's a thirst. Maybe that's why you're here. There's a thirst. Something's going on where you're starting to ask the big questions. Is There must be more to life than this. Or there's an unsettledness. You're just thinking, oh, mate, really? Ah, there's a longing for more. There's a deep desire for more. You're starting to be unsettled. You know, that's an uncomfortable place to be, but it's a good place to be. Because if you're starting to be unsettled in that way, something is happening. God is working. God is, if God is not working, people are complacent. If God isn't working, people are satisfied with superficial things. People are satisfied with just clothes and jobs and hobbies. That's, that's, that's enough because we are naturally just spiritually dull and dead. When God goes to work, one of the first things he often does is that he unsettles us and we start going, do you know what? Is this it? And then something begins to grow in us, this thirst. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's category two. Maybe you've known, you've known what it is to taste Jesus. But it's a memory. It's a fond memory, maybe, but it's a memory. You, actually, truth be known, you're not where you were. You have known Jesus. You've known that sense of spiritual thirst being quenched and that, ah, yes, you've known that joy and that peace that he brings. But do you know what? It's not your current experience. You're like, oh, man. Not where I was. And Jesus talks about this. He says all kinds of things can cause that. He says it can be anxieties. Just you're worried about this, that and the other. And before you know it, you think, well, where have I, how did I get here? You just made a load of life decisions out of anxiety. You think, how did I end up here? Or it could be the longing for other things. You, just, you want this and you want that. And your heart's so full of things you want that you're going after these things. And you think, well, how did I get here? Or it can be the deceitfulness of riches, the Bible says. You've just gone for money. And then more money, and then more money, and the Bible says chasing the wind. But that's where you are, and you say, how did I get here? And maybe today, Jesus, you want Jesus wanting to hear you say this, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. Or maybe it's category three, and here's what I would say is this, it's like you're walking with the Lord, and you know what it is to enjoy his presence, but you know what, you say to yourself, I've got the feeling I'm ankle deep. <laughs> you know, I've got the feeling I'm ankle deep. Or maybe I'm knee deep. Or maybe it's up to the loins and that's never comfortable. Or maybe it's that moment and you go into the series and it's like, whew, okay, we're there, we're through. But it's never comfortable. Or maybe it's like, you, know, you just think, I want to be out of my depth in the presence of Jesus. Do you know what? I wanna, you know what? I've, I'm done with trying to control my life. I'm done with trying to work out this, that. I, I trust him and I, I want to be known that I'm just in that flow where his spirit is taken. You know? And you're like, ah, I'm, you're, you're with the Lord, but you're, you're thirsty for more. Jesus is this, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. One of the most surprising things about Jesus is that he always points to himself. Other spiritual teachers point to pillars or laws or principles or ways. Jesus is me. It's me. It's not a system. It's not a structure. It's a person. It's a person. Come to me. There it is. 
come to me. It's a personal relationship with him. Come to me and drink. We'll look at what drinking looks like later, but that's what you're saying. Come to me and drink. I love this anyone. The any ones in the Bible are really important. Because we have the tendency to do what? To disqualify ourselves, right? Don't we? Just me? It's so easy to look at that person and say, well, I know why God loves them. You know, it's obvious. You know? It's like, oh, look, you know, it's really obvious. And ten reasons why. And ten reasons why not. And what's that person over there you're thinking about? What are they thinking? They're thinking on ten reasons why they're, well, God loves them. I think it's a crazy thing that happens in church. People doing this all the time. Folks, don't mess with Jesus. He never lies. He can't lie. He is the truth. And he says what? Anyone. Anyone. So you've got to hold him to his word. Say, Lord, you said anyone. That's why I'm here. Okay? <laughs> but you said it. You said anyone. So I'm here because you said anyone. And I know, you know, it's not always, I know, but you said anyone. You have to be able to do that. That's called faith. That's, faith is taking the Lord at his word. Say, Lord, you said anyone, so I'm here. And I'm thirsty. And you said, I, you said anyone who's thirsty. There's, those are the conditions. Anyone here? Anyone? Right. All you've got to do now is be thirsty. You can come to Jesus and drink. There is. Don't complicate it. I mean, man, you could say, yeah, but you don't understand. I probably don't. He does, and he said, anyone. So talk to him about it. Right? Tell him. Tell him 101 reasons why, when he said anyone, he wasn't quite on track. And he's responsible to anyone. In fact, the only disqualification, actually, is self-sufficiency and thinking you've got it fine, you've got it sewn up, because then you're not thirsty. So yeah, that's a disqualification. But if you sense, oh, I want more Jesus, or I want Jesus, come and drink. Because he said anyone. And he's faithful, he doesn't lie. So there we go, verse 37, verse 38. I need to pause there, verse 37. The Holy Spirit today wants to undo some really knotty things have gone inside people's minds where you've, you've got to the point where you've, you've just, it's like, it's like every road's a dead end in your thinking, right? I say to you now, the word of God is this, anyone. End of story, okay? You cannot, we, we get ourselves in such a pickle, you try, to, you try to undo it. It's like you ever tried undoing a ball of wool and you pull it and it gets tighter. Whichever one you pull, it gets tighter. You've done that. You think, this is ridiculous. And it's, you, that's where you can get in that kind of a pickle. Listen, the Lord says, anyone, come to him. He can unravel the mess. All right? Don't say, well, I'll wait till I unravel my mess and I'll come to Jesus. It never works. And in fact, partly because you can't unravel it, or if you do, guess what? You don't come to Jesus thirsty, you come to Jesus proud. Look what I've done, Lord. Disqualified. <laughs> right, so come on. All right, no more. Trust him. Verse 38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Wow. Whoever believes. That's what you've got to do. They said to Jesus, Lord, tell us how, what we must do to do the works of God. John 6. He said, he, these are the works of God. Believe in the one that he's sent. There you go. Some of you think, how do God stuff? Believe in the one that he sent. 
Believe in Jesus. Now, we, we get it a bit wrong because in our language, when we use the word believe, what, what we can mean is something quite shallow. So people say, oh, so I believe these facts about Jesus. I believe, these, I believe these facts. It's important that you do believe those facts about Jesus. But actually, the word believe, is got, it's got the strong implication of trust. It's not just I believe these things about Jesus. It's where you fall into the everlasting arms of Jesus and you trust him with your past, your present, your future, no matter how messy or unknown it is. You say, Lord, I now trust you. See, so it's not complicated, but boy, is it deep. It's the deepest, scariest thing any human being can do because in us there is that thing in us that wants to work it out, figure it out. We don't trust anyone, don't trust God. We just want to kind of create this life that we want and it's all wrong in so many ways. So many ways. And God says, I just need to rescue you. You are not made for that. You are not made for that. It's a soul killer. You're made to, you're made to do life with him, in fellowship with him, trust in him. He will make you so fruitful. He will make you so fruitful. I promise you on his behalf. But you've got to trust him. It's that, Lord, I give you myself. So Jesus says, anyone who trusts me, will you trust him? You must say, I've been so stitched up. I've been so, I've been so burnt. I've been so let down. I've been so betrayed. He will not do that. It's not him. He will not do that. Right, Gideon? Yeah. Just get him a little bit there, son, little kids. He was saying amen in his own little way. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. But you've got to trust him. You've got to trust him. Give him your center, your will, your affections, the lot. Give him. Okay? In order to do that, you've got to see his worth, his majesty, his glory, his goodness, his trustworthiness. The Holy Spirit will help you to see that. There is only one who is worthy of your entire soul. There is only one who is worthy of your heart. There is only one who is worthy of the center of your affections. There is only one who is worth the best of your talents. There is only one, and it's the one who made you, and the one who loves you, and the one who wants to do life with you and lead you into everlasting ways. Him. He is worthy. He is so, so worthy. That's why we sing like we sing. That's why we, that's why we make such a fuss. There's only one name. There's a lot of names. There's only one above them all. It's the name of Jesus Christ. It's the name of Jesus Christ. So Jesus says, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. The problem is this, is that actually in the Old Testament scriptures, no one can really find where it does say that. There are similar things. There's Isaiah 55. Ho, those of you that are thirsty, come to the waters and drink. That sounds like the first bit that Jesus said. But this idea of out of his belly will flow rivers of living water, it's kind of like, well, where's that? Do you know what? I think it's the Ezekiel 47 vision. Because Jesus understood that that temple of bricks and mortar is never going to, never, it's not the temple, it's just a shadow. It was just pointing towards the temple. The temple is made up of living stones, the temple is the church. The temple is you and me if we know Jesus. We are the temple of God. When I was at the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem, we stayed in a rather unusual Airbnb run by a very eccentric um, guy. And um, we, we, we turned up after walking, I don't know how many, I was with a friend, Dean. We'd walked, I don't know how many kilometers around Jerusalem that day. Anyone ever walked to the top of, what's that, you know, that mountain? It's long. Right, so we turn up tired and he says, can you help me build my tabernacle? 
And kind of like, please don't ask us. So we sort of stood there silently looking at him, you know, and then he, he got the message. But, uh, he, but we, he, he was into this third temple thing. He said, it's all about the third temple. And of course, they're all, they're all wail, at the wailing wall, the, the Jews doing, we went down there to watch it at sunset. They're all doing their wailing wall, doing this thing. And what they're doing is they're crying out, they're longing for the third temple. And it's like, guys, it's come. It's come. Jesus is the temple, which is why he said, when he was in the temple, destroy this temple and I'll raise it in three days. He said, it's taken 46 years to build this. What are you talking about? He was talking about the temple of his body. And the Bible teaches that Jesus is the cornerstone of the temple, which is the church. And so that Ezekiel 47 vision, it's about the, the Holy Spirit flowing out of the heart of the church, bringing life and healing. Jesus talks in very enigmatic ways sometimes. That's the promise. That's the promise. That's what we should be expecting and looking for. That's the fulfillment of the vision is a spirit-filled church. A church that knows what it is for the river of God to flow through it and out of it. A church that knows what it is to be a source of life and healing. A church that knows what it is to go the whole way and say, we're going out of our depth with God. And he'll take us to exciting places. Church on adventure. That's the fulfillment of the vision. It's very exciting. And then verse 39. Now this he said about the Spirit. So Jesus, when talking about the rivers of living water, was referring to the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive future tense. As yet the Spirit hadn't been given. Why? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus was glorified after he rose from the dead. He spent 40 days appearing to the disciples. And then after that he ascended, was glorified. He's now glorified, seated at the right hand of the Father, waiting for all of his enemies to be brought under his feet, and then he will return and make all things new. So he's talking about the Spirit. At this point, the Spirit hadn't been given. Has Jesus now been glorified? Therefore, brothers and sisters, has now the Spirit been given? Yes. So there's one condition on the Spirit being given from from God's perspective, and that's Jesus being glorified. Jesus goes up, the Spirit comes down. That's why Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go. Because then the Spirit will come. And they will go, what do you mean? How can it possibly be of advantage for you to go? Jesus is saying, here's why. Because at the moment, you have a relationship with me. But when he comes, he'll be in you. And you'll have my presence with you 24-7. Every one of you. And you don't have to gather in crowds of thousands and try and hear my voice on mountainsides because the Spirit himself, my Spirit, will be dwelling inside of you. How exciting. I mean, guys, this is the age we live in. Acts 2. Lord says, in the last days, these days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. That's the, that's the heart of God. Not to discriminate against male, female, old, young, social status. On all flesh, God's heart is for a deluged people. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Jesus has won. Do you know that? Do you realize that? He's done it. He's done it. Jesus rising from the dead was the evidence. He's done it. He's beaten death. He's beaten sin. He's beaten Satan. He has won. He's now enthroned. And through his spirit-empowered church, Jesus' enemies, spiritual enemies, are being brought under his feet. And then he's going to return. But he's won. So we can, we can live in his victory, but only by the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So to bring it in all together now before we pray. During my sabbatical, three months of resting, reading, praying, having fun, reflecting, thinking through, Lord, you know, that stuff I said last week, what do I want? 
what do I really want? What do we really need? And you know the answer is this. You. I just want you. Some people say, what's the meaning of life? And they're looking for a what. It's not a what. It's a who. It's a who. All things were made by him, through him, for him. He is why you are alive. I just want you. And I, I, I kind of feel like, I don't know, what, only God knows. Sometimes I feel like I'm ankle deep. Sometimes maybe on a good day, knee deep. You know? I'm so thirsty for more. And I'm, I'm currently, so I'm praying, I'm saying, Lord, pray at your spirit. Long for more of you. And I'm saying, Lord, if there's anything in the way, anything in the way, because the way that, when Jesus spoke to a woman uh, that he met at a well about this, he said, he said that when you ask me for a drink, I'll give you living water, but it will become like a spring in you. Right? And, 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 and it, will, it will bubble up into eternal life. So when you, when you first meet the Holy Spirit in power, he comes on you, but actually he indwells in you and it becomes like a spring inside of you, a well, bubbling out. And the beauty of it is this. I entered this one story. I've got a couple of friends who lead a church up in Bedford and they, things, things were just hard for years, hard. And then in the end they said, well, why aren't we getting anywhere? And they went back to the scriptures and they said, look, it seems to us that the kingdom of God by the Holy Spirit just flows. You haven't got to make it flow. Just what it does. So they said, when we're trying to get this church fruitful, but we're trying to make this happen, we're trying to make that happen, we're trying to make the other happen, hold on a minute. The Bible says that it flows. So we've got it wrong. It's not about making anything happen. It's about working out, are there some rocks in the way? Are there rocks in the way? of just Because the kingdom just flows. Spirit flows. You haven't got to make, you haven't got to make your... He comes to flow in and out of us. It's not something you do. It's just the nature. A river flows from the throne of God, the spirit of God, to flow in and flow out. So the question isn't, how can I make this happen? The question is more, Lord, is there any way that I, am I quenching you? Am I grieving you? Am I, do you know what I mean? Am I, am I not trusting you with stuff, Lord? Just Because it's, it's not mechanical. It's relationship. It's like a relationship. You know, you have friends and it goes a bit funny. You know, sometimes friendships go a bit funny. And you have to say, like, are, we, are we all right? And often what it is, you'll find that maybe something was said or wasn't said, or you know, and you have to, you have to, and what's happened, it's like the flow that you had, that rock got in. And you have to, you have to, you can't just, oh, it'll be all right, it's not. You have to talk about it, and you get the thing out of the way, and you, ah, we're flowing again, you know? Start that with the Lord. It's like, Lord, are we? And, and, and so I'm just before God, and I'm not getting overly introspective, but I'm just saying, Lord, if there's any rocks, just show me. I'm just saying honestly, Lord, just show me, because I just I want to know that flow of the Spirit, you know. And that's that that really is essentially what it looks like to be to be and if everything else is sort of I'll be honest, I think everything else is sort of games and nonsense, really. Everything comes out of that. Everything comes out of that. That is the whole plan of God. I want to make I want a dwelling place that I can be happy dwelling in and express my glory through. That's the church. So it's like, Lord, will not you be happy living in me? <laughs> Help me through. And you know, sometimes the Lord speaks really quickly. Sometimes he organises circumstances to, to, to work out his purpose. He's very wise. And he knows how to deal with his children. But what I'd love us to do, by way of sort of just responding together to, to, to the message, is to, just, is to just be able to, in a moment, just stand together and say, Lord, 
you know, we want to know you. We want to know the flow of the Spirit among us as a people. And that starts with us as individuals, isn't it? Saying, Lord, here's my heart. I'm not going to hold things back. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, it's, it's that invisible stuff you do on the inside of you. Say, Lord, I trust you again. Or I trust you for the first time. And during our plan A prayer in January, we're going to make it our focus just to pray, Lord, we want to learn to flow in the Spirit. We just want to, we want to, we, that's, that's what we're about. We want to learn to flow in the Spirit. Because when you, we all get excited reading about the church in the early, uh, in Acts, it's amazing, look at all the things they did. But look what it came, what it was, was the Spirit came on them. <laughs> Everything else came out of that. And we can bypass that and just jump on, let's be sacrificial, let's be this, let, no, let's, let's, let's drink deeply of the Spirit. Yeah? And let the Spirit's life flow through us and out of us so that it's coming from a centre of the presence of God. So we're going to just have a moment to, to respond now. So we're just happy to stand with me and we're going to have a bit of a response. So.